Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Super Deluxe Games Cast. It is Thursday, July seventh, uh, and uh, man, what a uh, what a week it's been. Uh, interesting, interesting. Uh, some some old favorites coming back uh, next year. We've got a lot to talk about, and we have a very cool guest. I've been wanting to have her <laughs> on the show for a long time now. Uh, uh, PR guru Stephanie Tinsley. Is, is on with us and stephanie i'm actually wearing my my enter the gungeon beanie for the I, first long time thank uh, you for just, representing this is just for you this this is this go, is just for you go by enter the gungeon Enter the Gungeon is fucking awesome. Um, and uh, I mean, this is the this is the beanie that helped me become an internet meme for a little while. Uh, and a real gamer. Yeah, I I'm th that's why I'm wearing it now because you know I want everybody who's watching Don't to know be that proud of that. I've got street cred. <laughs> oh, Derek, I am proud. Like, I'm, I'm I'll never proud. <laughs> I'll never get over the time I was at PAX, and uh, it was when you were really regularly wearing the beanie, and I started talking to this large, muscular guy wearing an Enter the Gungeon beanie, telling him about how my morning had been going for like five minutes before I realized he was not listening to me and he was not you. <laughs> so, so we, so to take away, so there's, there's two lessons to be learned here. One, Justin needs to pay better attention to his surroundings. And two, I am the most generic looking motherfucker on the planet. Hey, that was the weekend we found a guy that looked exactly like me and my own yes. mother was disturbed by the picture that we Yeah, sent. that was really fucked up. We found your variant that day. Uh, Stephanie, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, this is something that um, I think I'm. I, it's going to end up complete chaos. Um, but no, that's every podcast. Gonna, yeah. Okay. Good. Um, but I did find I did find the thread, so I'm good to go on that. Oh, it's excellent. All right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I'm good. It's been a busy week. I'm I'm actually coming to you live from from Cape Cod, um, where I'm not having any amount of relaxation whatsoever at all. So like, this is like a very nice hopefully start to a, a great calm relaxing weekend we are gonna bunch of my family we're gonna do our best God right now awesome where 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 about uh sandwich oh okay i'm in harwich so oh, okay wait, cool shout out, shout out to the a, witches wait there's a place called sandwich yeah I know. Sandwich, Massachusetts. I so thing. you can just name a place that i know Dude, i want to live in sandwich it's I a nice little town sandwich yeah. i want to live in sandwich oh, that's, that's, that's an awesome they have a good country club yeah Okay. Club, club sandwich. Oh. Never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus stupid. Christ, Derek. That's, wow. That's the fucking I, worst. I thought she was I'm, leaving. I thought I'm, she was too, leaving. I, I'm I would, two cents in. I'm only getting not, gayer and more chaotic as time goes on. So I would not I don't have, have any alcohol. She had. So, yeah. No, there's well, a place don't worry. Sandwich. We're I making had up that for same it. reaction. Yeah, I had the same reaction when I passed this. Like, this is a giant sign at the end of the cave. It's a sandwich. I'm like, there's a fucking place called Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so, for, so, for those watching and listening uh, later on podcast services, Stephanie mentioned that she found the thread. Now, before we start talking about the week's news, Stephanie has a little story to tell us. Uh, a very interesting story. I've been waiting to get all the details on. Stephanie, so please, I've by all means. I promised that I would come on your show and tell this story because before I, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I was like, no, sorry, like ever, like no one will ever know that I ever did this. And now I'm like, oh, come on your podcast and tell the story. Um, so we were tweeting, Don and I were tweeting back and forth. He actually tweeted about um, that lower, lo um, Lauren Bobert uh, rumor that was going around about how she was like an escort or something well, like that's that. That's what it was. Ago. That's what it was. 
and I and I said I think I saw that film. And I just made a joke, right? And then I I sort of followed that up with uh, can, you know, speaking of like political porn, like real porn, right? Um, that my friend's dad um, in LA is it was I think he's retired, long long retired, but he was a an adult movie producer, um, and he was the guy behind a film in the mid 2000s called Nailin Palin. Oh wait. God! <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, <And> wait, <laughs> ne- wait, Na- you know what? You- Nailin, Nailin. There's no Palin. way you don't know about this one, John. You can There's guess the plot. Everyone oh, I can imagine what the plot is. And Eminem is about it. CJ's like, oh, that's my favorite. Like, yeah. It- <laughs> oh, oh yeah, it's, it's on my it's on my letterbox top four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my well, god. And, I, and I, I said something like, a bunch of my friends actually were extras in that film because what an opportunity because that was I mean talk about like the height of political discourse was like at the height of the Sarah Palin, you know vice presidential campaign or like whatever whatever was happening there i can't even remember and uh but i couldn't i couldn't go i wanted to go and like be like the person that like comes in and like hands somebody like a water bottle on camera but i i couldn't go because i actually i did dj in a van out of town um i did dj edc the electric daisy carnival um that weekend i used to be a club and rave dj in, in la and um and so that sort of um so that tweet sort of opened a big can of worms and everyone was like, okay, first of all, what? And second, you know, tell me about the DJ thing. And then um, I just sort of started going down memory lane of like, you know, my twenties. And, uh, and I remember I was reminded that, you know, of, of like a pretty large part of like how I have a career in video games is sort of woven very loosely into like the porn industry which that's so which cool is, which like you would never like how how like how do you bridge that you know gap right um but the story is and I'm, so so if i can you know tell the story no, the please story is, no of course of course so um so and please if, if there's i don't know like if there's like questions or whatever from whoever's i don't know yeah anyway jump in um so uh so back, I mean, gosh, back at the start of my career, like I didn't, like I had quit my very corporate high-tech PR job where I talked about like server storage area networks all day and I fell asleep saying that. So it was very, very boring and I was in my 20s and I was like, this is not what I want to do with my life and I quit. And so I was kind of like wandering, you know, I was kind of floating around doing odd jobs and I was still DJing and, you know, I was very, very poor. I did not have a lot of it. And, um, and I was couch surfing at the time. And um, I had a degree in PR and in public relations. And hi, Kitty. What a very pretty Kitty. Um, and uh, sorry, someone, if, for, you, for people not watching this and listening later, there's a cat. Yeah, sorry. Z um, stopped by. Yeah. It'll be a couple <laughs> seconds before I get bit. Never <laughs> apologize for the cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that cat needs no apology whatsoever. Handsome. Um, so, anyway, so I. Um, my friend at the time, he was letting me sleep on his couch. His, I'm going to try to remember the sequence of how this happened. His roommate's best friend's best friend's brother 
owned an animation studio and they did a lot of cinematics for games in the mid 2000s. And that was before the Xbox 360 launch when graphics weren't quite where the sort of creative um, inspiration, you know, was at, right? Like we weren't 360, we weren't Xbox One. I knew this is like back mid 2000s. So you would have these animation companies make these very elaborate um, trailers that sort of communicated like, it was like the live animation box art of like muscular God guy. Like this is what you're supposed to look like, but actually you're in the 32 bit. So, um, so he was looking for some PR help because they were doing uh, a big um, uh, 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 cinematic and trailer for, for a, a big game. It was the sort of the last big game. I'm not going to name names, but it was the last big um, hurrah on the original Xbox. And um, they had done a lot of work and they wanted to kind of get their name out there among the video game industry because they wanted to get more work. This was, you know, great continuous revenue flow for their studio in, um, in, in Hollywood, which is outside of the Valley. So if you're not from Southern California, if you're outside the Hollywood, Los Angeles area and you're over the, the sort of mountains there, you're in like the Valley, like Valley Girls from the 80s, for those of you who not. So you're there out in the Valley. Um, they're looking for more work, and so he's like, well, uh, the the friends, friends, roommates, brothers, sisters, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, she's like, hey, do you mind if I, like, hook you up? Well, you know, maybe you could, like, do some freelance work for them, and I was like, yeah, maybe, sure, I mean, fuck it, yellow. And so I met the guy's brother for breakfast, not the owner of the animation studio, but the guy's brother for breakfast. I did it. He did, but he was basically screening me before he um, introduced me to his brother. And um, I started doing some work for this animation firm. I got past the sniff test, right? I started doing some work for this animation company, freelance. My first freelance job. My first, this is my first thing in games ever. I had, like, maybe played Tomb Raider. But, like, I was, like, a jock in, in middle school and high school. I grew up with, like, like a very old Atari 2600 and then the NAS. And then, like, we couldn't afford, like, the Genesis, right? Like, after that, like, my parents, like, we didn't have a lot of money. And so, um, like, I kind of was, like, a jock and played, played a bunch of open up sports. So I'm in this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing work with this animation studio now, and, and, and he's like, hey, you know, you're, and he's, you know I'm kind of cool with this guy at this point. Like, I've been doing work for them for six months, eight months, nine months. And he's like, you're, you're cool, you're hip. And I kind of told him, like, oh, yeah, I'm like a rave DJ. Like, I also, like, do a bunch of clubs. And, like, um, you know, and at the time, like, I was, I wasn't, like, ever huge, but, like, I wasn't, like, a nobody, right? Like, I, we had a pretty good following. I had a decent mailing list, and... I had been in some magazine articles. that was on the cover of some magazine in LA. And, um, and uh, he says, you know, my, so, you know, my brother. And I was like, yeah, the guy that I met that introduced me to you all those, you know, months back. He says, yeah, he actually, um, so he's, uh, he owns a uh, porn studio, like an adult film studio. And I was like, cool. Like, I'm not, you know, like, all right, I don't. <laughs> Turns out he wasn't just like a guy that owned a porn studio. This was one of the co-founders of the people that made uh, a film in the 2000s called Pirate. Now, this film was one of the. Have you, ever, have you all seen Boogie Nights? Oh yes. yeah, for sure. You've all seen Boogie Nights, right? Mark Wahlberg, Burt Reynolds. Oh yeah. The heyday of like film, adult film, limos, coke. Money, like the whole thing. Events played in theaters. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah, right. Okay. So uh, they have what is 
the biggest budget for an adult film ever. And they have shot this thing on the boat that they filmed the actual Pirates of the Caribbean on. It's like oh, it's wow. they shot this on the Black Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I don't think a lot of people know that, but <laughs> they kind of fudged their way onto the boat. And, <laughs> yeah, I um, figured that can't, that can't be that official. <laughs> it, it, they kind of fudged their way onto the boat was my understanding of the situation. And they... It's an educational, it's an educational film. So, well, I mean, so suddenly in... I don't know where the boat is, but somewhere in Florida. So suddenly you have, like, people walking around that area that are clearly not local to that town and that port. I mean, you have Jesse Jane walking around regularly down, you know, she's a very, very famous porn star from Star, who's the star of Pirate. Uh, so they said, we want to do, Stephanie, we want to do a, uh, a film event. We want to do a film premiere, a Hollywood film premiere. Can you do that for us? And I was like, yeah, like, you, like uh, let me go find a venue. They said, well, actually, we called the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood. The Egyptian Theater in Hollywood is an 800-person theater. It is legendary. It is historic. It is yeah. on Hollywood Boulevard. It is right there. It is so Hollywood. So they gave me this budget, and I'm like, oh, I can, you know, I've done, I could throw, like, a party in my sleep. Like, I had just produced the Esquire magazine Oscar party, I think, the year before for AIDS Project Los Angeles. Um, so, uh, in West Hollywood. So, it, it just, it was like, like nothing. So, I throw the premiere event. We closed down Hollywood Boulevard. We got those Klieg, Klieg lights that do this. Right, like the big. Hollywood oh, you got those spotlights, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, the yeah, Hollywood yeah. spotlights. Yeah, yeah, I hired all my guy friends as security and one real armed security guard. And my guy friends were like wearing headsets and dressed in black suits, and they were the shadows for the female stars that showed up. We got a thirty-foot-long step and repeat. I got Belvedere to sponsor the what award the show. <laughs> I know, and and so this comes around to video games because <laughs> just like a video game, um, there was a sequel. And so it was such a success. The thing was in Hollywood Reporter, New York Times. Like, I didn't do PR for it. Like, I was like, I don't want my name on this. I was freelancing for a couple of other people at that point. Um, very, like, I was still, like, eating ramen for, like, most of my meals. But, like, oh. I was, like, I had, I had an apartment at that point. Like, I had, like, a shitty studio on, like, Normandy Boulevard in, in Hollywood. So a couple years later, they call me up and they're like, can you do the sequel? Uh, we've made Pirates 2. And I'm like, I can do that. They have gotten the Orpheum Theater. Now, you may know the Orpheum from old E3 press conference venues. Because, like, ah. I think Ubisoft used to have their press conferences there. I went to the Orpheum because I think Harmonix <laughs> rented it out for, like, Rock Band launch or some shit like that with, like, Zeppelin. Um, like, it's one of those historic theaters downtown. But at this point, I'm, like fully in game like i am not just freelancing for this animation studio but like i have i'm working like atari i'm working with other companies and i'm doing their pr and like i'm like yeah i can i can moonlight this event for you no problem if you already have you've handed me the orpheum let's double the budget and see what happens but this time i invite like 
the entire editorial production division of G4 television because, like, I'm friends with all those people at that point. I invited my friends from game trailers. I invited, like, you know, some writers I knew in Hollywood. So not only am I now producing this event with, like, and now this, and Pirates 2, like, if anybody just Googles Pirates 2, like, first of all, this this film, this first film, I'm going to Google it right now while we're talking. Yeah, (laughs) bring that right up in the Google cache. Um, They, um, the the producers of this film did a national college tour for film schools. They cut out the hardcore sexy stuff and it was um, sold into distribution for Blockbuster as an NC-17 film. It was like a bad B-movie film, but like historic for the adult industry to have a video get cut down and then like nationally, internationally distributed they did, um, I think they did like a TED Talk. Um, the, the, the thing was a smashing success that broke every record in adult film history. Like it was just ridiculous. And then I think they were purchased by like a different company that's called Adam and So, but I had like Belvedere sponsoring this thing. I had stuff and repeat. And the, the, the stars of the film were so cute because no one had ever done this for any of the films ever, right? So they would do the stuff and repeat and talk to like the 20 press and the press head. And then he would go around the back and then walk the red carpet and do the step and repeat again. Just, I mean, because it was just like, it was just like the camera snapping and everything. But then, like, I had, like, all my, like, the producers of, like, X-Play and, like, the editorial um, <laughs> from G4 at the time with, like, all my gamer friends. I was like, you guys, you need some seat fillers. Like, this is, like, a 2,000-seat auditorium. And it was only, like, I think it was only about three-fourths of the way full. So I was just like... I was like, guys, you all got to come in and you know, just come have a good time and come watch the porn. And they did. Oh, my God. So, like, we had a blast. Um, we had, like, fire spinners. And uh, it was just, it was crazy. It was mayhem. It was absolute mayhem. And so when I when I look back, I know this was a long story. So everyone listening at home thinks I'm putting up my bullshit. That's the full story, um, uh, you know, minus a couple things here and there that happened um, after the actual event. Uh, but uh, that's kind of, like, how as I sort of grew in my, my career and how I got started in my career, um, that I found a, uh, a sort of home in video games in part of thanks to porn. So thanks. That thanks. is porn. The, <laughs> that is the most interesting, like <laughs> what a way to get into the games industry. That's that, an origin story. I have heard yeah. the, I, I have had multiple people on the show tell me how they got, into the games industry this is the first time i've ever heard anybody tell me a story like that that was that was amazing and i i just want to point out to everybody we need we need to give pirates 2 it's it's full respect it's not just pirates 2 so i googled it it's pirates 2 stagnetti's revenge stagnetti's revenge and i think so who was so wait who played jack stagnetti uh jack stagnetti or no victor stagnetti victor stagnetti uh, uh tommy gunn Tommy God, I knew it. It wasn't Evan Stone. It was Tommy Gunn. It was the other guy. Tommy yeah, Gunn like, is an excellent guy. porn name. Tommy Gunn yeah. is a really good is a really good porn name. He was uh, a very nice guy. He was a very nice everyone was super professional. Everyone was super lovely. Um, honestly, most of these people are probably yeah. super fucking cool. So yeah, everyone was really, really cool. Like I think it was the doing the first one was so super rewarding to me because like I said, they had never been celebrated. Porn in general, I think, especially in, in America, where we're all fucking, you know, Puritans who have missionary sex for reproduction purposes. Um, through a hole uh, in the sheets. Through a hole in the sheets, right? And then shower immediately afterward um, and then pray. Um, 
we we don't you know it's like like literally everyone in the entire world loves porn and and but no one talks about it and it's something to be shamed and so until this premiere um none of these folks none of these movie stars these adult film stars had ever had anything like this happen and and done for them i mean this was a this was a easily a sort of like i would say probably like between a quarter of a million and three hundred thousand dollar party like it was we did we did some damage, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was high. I mean, I, I don't know the full budget. I just know sort of my budget for it. Cause I wasn't involved in the venue stuff and insurance stuff, but like, uh, the licensing or anything like that. But like, it was, it was pretty, I mean, we had, we had like pirate band. We had like three, four five full bars. Like there were 800 people there. The entire industry was invited and celebrated. It didn't matter if you were in the movie, if you wanted to walk there the step and repeat, like we had an extended step and repeat that went 20 feet. Step and repeat is usually like eight by eight. We had an extended step and repeat. We had bleachers because that's how many press people showed up to this thing. Oh it was awesome. Like it was like this, the, the people from the film were the ones that we got limousines for us. They pulled right up off Hollywood Boulevard and they step out and these big lights are going on either side of them. Right. And they step out and it's like the paparazzi pit, like kind of goes in an L and like their faces are just like, what is this like i had so i had friends of mine that they do i don't know if anyone has ever heard of uh of the do lab but this is before they were the do lab they have a big session um at um at coachella they throw a big festival called lightning in a bottle but at the time they were we were all very very close because we were all ravers and um i had i hired them as one of the first paying gigs that they ever had um to light the courtyard the entire courtyard of the egyptian theater and then they did all the lighting on the inside and the entrance and they lit the steps with me um and uh it was just like it was it was awesome it was super magical and so you know porn uh and video games sort of like i said loosely intertwine and and here i am i gotta tell you that is one of the coolest origin stories <laughs> i've ever heard that that was fucking that was fucking fantastic yeah. uh, Thank you so much, Stephanie, for sharing. That. I'm happy that to share that. So that is exactly what I needed, and that's it's the good that... part of the show. So yeah, like it's all downhill from here, guys. Um, so th again, thank you, Stephanie, for that incredibly entertaining story. That was fucking awesome. Um, so we do have some video game related news to talk about. Yes. First, we are going to get into what we've been playing the past week. Um. And uh, we'll we'll go through this one quickly. Derek, why don't you kick us off there, pal? It's real easy, and this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody who knows me. But I've been playing uh, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. Yeah, that's what um, I figured. Yeah, I mean, I know it's it's me, a Monster Hunter game. Who could have known? <laughs> um, you know, I like it. I'm weirdly cool on Monster Hunter Rise compared to a lot of folks. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I liked World a lot more. Um, Sunbreak is more of Rise and better, and it's fixing some of my issues with the game but it is still overwhelmingly easy and very arcadey compared to the games in the series that i enjoy like i really liked a lot more of the mainline series of like three four world versus the arcadey ones like generations yeah, you i was Rise. gonna say you were never a, a huge generations fan right no i didn't really like generations and like yeah, part of the people who I, do, I remember you saying that it just wasn't the way I wanted the franchise to go and then world was, and then rise is very much a continuation of generations, but it's new monster hunter content and I still enjoy it. So I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time, but I'm not super far into it at this point. So not a lot to say, how long, just how long have you been playing monster hunter? Like, is, is the oh, since the original you, on PS2, believe it or not, he's, I'm, he's, uh, 
I'm a weirdo. Yeah, I actually remember wanting to play the second one and and never finding a copy and not finding out until years later that it just too never came to the U.S. So it's not that I missed it somehow and never came across a copy somewhere. It just never came over. Um, So then three or try on the Wii was like a big revitalization for me. But um, but yeah, I love the series. I love that more and more people have gotten into it. I do love it becoming a little bit easier and more accessible for people. Uh, I'm definitely not part of that Monster Hunter crowd that, you know, wishes that this was the most punishing thing ever and kept people away. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm having a good time with Sunbreak, but this has also been a busy week and I haven't had a whole lot of downtime. So a portable game is perfect for that. Outstanding. Outstanding. Um, I'll go next cause you know, I'll, I'll be quick. I, I, I like to go quick. Um, I've been replaying uh, Valkyrie Profile uh, simply because it's a great fucking game. Valkyrie Profile is one of my favorite games of all time. And uh, I, I think it's fucking fantastic that it's coming out on PSN uh, the same day as Valkyrie Elysium. Uh, but before Valkyrie Elysium comes out, I'd like to have another replay of Valkyrie Profile under my belt because this is uh, supposed to be a direct sequel to Profile. Uh, and it's just an amazing fucking game. I've also, yes, I've been repling Final Fantasy VI. I was going to joke about that, and you're actually John, doing it. How many times have you gonna... done this? Year? What's wrong with you, John? Just how <laughs> so, many? So what's not here. wrong with you? So, 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 this is important, and I'm speaking to everybody listening right now. Right now, we are living in an incredibly shitty, depressing. Oh, you're going to pull this card. I can't say you like the game. I can't give you shit if you pull this card. You know what, Derek? You know what, Derek? This is why I'm playing it. This is why I'm playing it. I have an extremely high stress job that I won't talk about here. Uh, But. The, the the whole world seems like it's fucking burning down and right now being at be trying to find that sliver of happiness wherever you can find it is more important than it ever has been in my opinion so you know fine it doesn't matter if it's games final fantasy 6 is, is a comfort game for me it's a safe game for me what it doesn't matter if it's games tvs music books food find something that makes you feel safe find something that makes you feel warm and find something that makes you feel happy and and do that shit over and over and over if you have to um because right now like i'm fucking i'm trying my hardest to fucking cope as best i can with everything that is fucking happening and i feel like my entire world is about ready to crumble underneath my feet and I am grasping for anything that will keep me afloat. And so I'm doing things that make me happy. I'm pl- replaying old games that made me ha- that, that make me happy. I'm, I'm listening to music that I haven't listened to in a while that makes me happy. And I'm here talking with all my friends right now, and that makes me happy. So find something that makes, find something that makes you as happy as Final Fantasy VI and my friends make me. I, I love you, and I'm not going to yuck your yums. I know. No, now, like, how do you come? How do you right. come, How do you come back from that? Like, I can't Fine. even like throw a funny insult in there because I'm like, oh, I was so much fun in the show. No, CJ will. CJ will absolutely yuck my yums. Yeah. He's, gonna, he's, gonna, he's gonna find something in the show that's gonna make us like, oh man, shut the fuck up. And all, yeah, all, all, it, it always, <laughs> always, it, without like, fail, without fail. A lot of tact um, persona. <laughs> CJ, since you felt, since you wanted to jump in, what are you playing this week? <laughs> um, you know what? I did the impossible. I played two games back to back in my backlog. Done. I actually played two games. 
Um, and I got a I, oh, speaking of, I got a review code for the Klonoa collection like just an hour ago. I'm so I am so excited to play this game. Okay, so I've never you're played gonna love Klonoa. Yeah, either I've never played a Klonoa game, but I love platforms. Klonoa's right. good. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. They're great. They're relatively game. simple, but they're a lot of fun. They're surprisingly heartfelt. They're incredibly yeah, charming. Fun. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Everyone t- tells me like the vibes are good. It's just you'll cry really at the end of the first one probably. That's like what I, what I keep hearing. Um, I'm excited. Also, um, I wasn't here last week. Fucking Pac-Man World got a remake. Hell fucking yes. Let's fucking go. Another Namco platformer I never played. Um, <laughs> uh, platformers are, are my bread and butter. Um, I played Becky. So back to back. I signed up for that ps plus that new ps plus membership because they're giving me a discount for like the rest of the year to just like upgrade um so i downloaded ghost of tsushima's uh, director's cut uh i played through all of it it's fine i i i i I finished it it's like it's it's fine i i took a lot of nice uh, pictures and i liked the combat its story was the most boring shit in the world i i wanted it to end like really i i, I finished yeah. that two in the morning because i was frustrated i'm like shit's so fucking boy boring. this sounds like a great fucking experience cj it's, it wasn't great it wasn't it wasn't that's the thing i mean it, it's a fine game it, it occupied my time for a bit because i wasn't playing anything that wasn't a review game or a multiplayer game um like i think the last thing i played before then was i played Splitgate with justin and that's it and then i just like stopped playing games in general i've just got uh, this mental picture of cj at like one in the morning like fuck this game this sucks i can't believe i wasted I'm all this kidding. time i'm not kidding so two in the morning i'm on the final boss i, I, I put it down to easy fuck this game man i fucking hate this shit don't put don't make me put in work towards the end um <laughs> um it's fine it's a very shallow 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 samurai game that has some good combat um and then i'm sure people I, will love hearing it yeah fuck them. um <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on twitter anymore it's fine what do you do um anyway and then i played immediately after that i played rise of the tomb raider which i've, I've had for years it's the only game in that series in the the tomb raider reboot trilogy i hadn't played and it's like one of christine's favorite games so naturally i i, I played through Is it rise this, the second I, or the third one that can never keep the second one i can never keep the title she's not the she's not the tomb raider yet she hasn't been the tomb raider yet but the third game is shadow's still my favorite because it it, i think it refines so many systems from the first two games perfectly and it's also maybe the best example of like a triple a game that takes every single system you played a billion times and polishes it down like perfectly in, in in a way where it's not like exhausting everything man do i disagree about shadow so, you know so, what? So wait hold on okay. hold on see yes. hold on cj i got a question did she become the tomb raider after shadow no this is the prequel yet. at the end she's more confident in her like she's like she finally like realizes okay like what what this journey has been about since the beginning it's it's just weird that like you basically have to get tortured for three games straight to like you know be a fucking tomb raider um Anyway, Rise the second game. It's pretty good. It's a it's a, it was I, I had a lot of fun with it. Um I I enjoyed it. I think this is the closest thing any AAA games have come to feeling like uh, pulp like novels or pulp magazines or anything like that because story isn't the the emotionality of the story doesn't necessarily get in the way of like the over the topness. I think something like Uncharted is is too concerned with being uh prestige as opposed to like yeah. it's, it's its origins are, are are in pulp. It's like an Indiana Jones oh. style serial, but it, it it's also trying to be this this very. Pristine. It's interesting to try to view that through the lens of like old old pulp adventure novels, and I kind of so I, I kind of I'll need to think on that approach. 
I yeah. love pulp stuff. I, I, it's, it's, that's like my all time. Like I, I'm, I'm a sucker for anything kind of grimy, kind of gross. Um, The Northman, great movie, right? Gross, disgusting, bloody, but it's still too clean. It look, it, it's still too clean of a movie. You might be losing. I, get, I, I get it. No, I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy naughty, naughty dogs. Uh, games that are muscle movies. I enjoy Naughty Guns Dog Snakes for that very reason is that it's just a seamless sort of unfolding. I, I, pulp is yeah. not the right word, though. You're absolutely right. Like, yeah, no, it's. Like, we're in this age where every game, every AAA game is like this hyper violent and like angry thing, but nothing is actually angry or mean or gross anymore. Like, like I, I love the new yeah. God of War, but it's it's kind of funny how he went from like this sword and sandals kind of thing on the on a level of Conan, and now we're at like. It, it, it's sort of grown up, right? It, it's kind of funny. Even even something like Wolfenstein Two is 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 very pulpy in its presentation, but its message. I is love very, that fucking game. It's very sincere, though. You get what I'm saying? Its message is mm-hmm. very sincere. If kill Nazis. Whole, well, no, but yes. kill kill Nazis because of like um, everything going on now, right? If you watch the movie from the '60s about killing, like an old, what do they call it? Macaroni um, war films, where they're about killing Nazis. Um, they wouldn't they wouldn't give you the message there they would just kill the nazis right um so I, it's just i was just thinking about that this entire weekend while watching because i've been watching, doing nothing but watching movies because i'm fucking i will never them. understand and put together a profile of what your tastes are you yeah. only <laughs> continue to confuse me over it's time very, and i love you for that one, one more thing one more thing i i, I did some retail therapy because barnes and noble has a huge um criterion sale and arrow a uh, video sale, so I bought three things. This paycheck, next paycheck, I'm gonna buy another because I I, I want to spread it out because you know. Um, so obviously I picked up the the 4K the 4K copy of A True Romance by Tony Scott, which I'm very excited to watch. <laughs> oh, Hell yeah, oh, that's a solid fucking pick. Tony Scott's like becoming one of my favorite directors. Um, ever. I'm so I'm so I'm so excited. It comes with this nice little like art um booklet full of like these essays written by directors and everything. Uh, I got John Ford's My Darling Clementine, which isn't a pulp western. It's probably the most sincere one of the most sincere westerns ever um cuz you know John Ford is like the master of that craft um i got michael chimino's heaven's gate uh, a movie that necessarily like that killed like one of the most like important and like prominent directors of the, of his generation and bankrupted united artists um it's also three like almost three and a half hours long i'm very excited to watch it um that's all i've been doing if you want to hear my movie opinions go follow me on uh, yellow uh, letterboxes i i, I <laughs> last time last time i was on a podcast where i talked about movies i think i rambled too much about like tony scott for <laughs> for like 10 minutes i'm like telling you um but yeah that's that's about it for me i think the next thing the only thing i'm playing up next will probably be klonoa oh and as i was telling justin like the next game in my backlog i'm i'm, I'm gonna start control soon I never got around to playing. Oh yeah, there you control go. Control rules. Um, I love yeah. control. I, I, I haven't played I that either. I, control I has that me. complete lack of of like emotionality and sincerity to it, and it's just it's very buck wild. So if 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 you it's it's very like weird pulp. Yeah, pulp yeah. is a is a word for it, but like it's cleaner than that in aesthetic. Yeah, like you know I don't know. It's it's, like, it's a wild it's like, one. Like the way I, I view Death Stranding, where Death Stranding's mood is like, okay, it's very much pulling from like something like Solaris or Mirror or Stalker, yeah. right? Where it's it's not pulling from like any anything sort of conventional. So I, I, I'm excited. I'll I'll. I'll it's like counter prestige almost. Yes. Yeah, because it's it's more pulling on whatever the director's personal tastes are. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, that's 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 been my my week. You've had a busy week. 
every day i was gonna i was gonna skip this podcast to watch a movie before i'm glad you're here cj yeah, i'm glad I was, you're here back, i was gonna go i'm like oh there's like 15 more westerns in my criterion channel you almost skipped us for dead cowboys uh, yeah good to know oh, man 100 oh, fuck <laughs> justin and i admire that he he is a very dedicated individual justin what have you been playing this week uh so First, I want to talk about a game I played a couple weeks ago because I haven't been able to be on and talk about it yet. Uh, the Quarry from Supermassive. Oh, yeah. yeah! Yeah, I still haven't played this. It fucking rules. I, That's what I've I'm heard. I'm so glad that it turned out the way it did. Like, I, I, I'm a big fan of Until Dawn. Um, I really enjoyed Until Dawn. Uh, the quarry, I think it's it's a little bit different um, in like how it focuses, and I think it has a different set of like strengths, but it really does scratch a lot of the same itch as Until Dawn, and uh, I just had a blast with it. It was just a really like it's the same, it's the exact same kind of game, you know, basically playable movie. You know, you what you do decides who lives, who dies. Does it I run mess- better? Does it run better? Than Until Dawn did? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Until and, Dawn. Um, I, it I messed up really badly in one scene. I made one tiny little error and immediately got three char- three of the main, <laughs> main characters killed. Good. That's Speed the whole running, point. <laughs> Speedrunning death. <laughs> That's like, the whole point, Josh. I had been doing so well keeping people alive up until that point, and I'm just like, well, that, one, that chapter went poorly. <laughs> But no, uh, the core is a blast. If if you're a fan of like that style of yeah. horror movie or game, check it out. Uh, mm-hmm. If you like Until Dawn, check it out. Um, it's definitely a lot more substantial than like the um, Dark Pictures games. Um, I, I really had a lot of fun with it. But since then, I've also been like working really hard on this season of Destiny. Um, I've I love how they have handled the seasonal storytelling. This season, they fixed some issues with how they, um, you know, how you access some of the new content for each season. Because before it was like, oh, if you weren't at the max level cap from the previous one, then you have to grind so that you can access the story content. And it just put me off. But like, I actually had uh, have completed the title for the season. So uh, it's cool. Uh, I, I haven't actually earned a full title in Destiny yet. There's a, it's always like a series of challenges mix of you know just you know certain like a lot of different things collectibles playing through the story stuff as well as some grindy stuff um and so i got my first title done and i'm also at level 89 on the season pass so i'm gonna finish that which i've never gotten very far into the past season pass before uh you know i've talked about it a few times but i kind of fell off a lot with the seasonal model and how they've been handling it in destiny but i love I loved this season. It was really, really good, really fun. It was really rewarding. And I think it's kind of like the new benchmark for how to continue, like keeping people invested in a story and having a storyline play out in like a service game. Um, It's remarkable how far it's come from where destiny was before. Um, They finally have the tone down. They finally have characterization down. They know where they're going. Um, yeah, it it just it just it was really satisfying to do, and it feels like really good to be back into the game and see the game in such a great spot and know 
and like knowing that this team is now in charge of the future and where it's going and they have a plan and everything's feeding into that makes me really excited to see what's next. So, Justin, I've got a question for you about Destiny. Sure. Did you get your pre-order in for the uh, for the Nerf gun? No, because because the Bungie site is broken and won't recognize that I have the triumph for it. I was joking, uh, I and the s- fact that you're this pissed about it is amazing. I, I spent hours <laughs> trying to pre-order that shit today. Are you kidding me? I was trying I to pre-order you. the Nerf Gallarhorn all afternoon. Why you bring it keeps up, telling me my email's not verified, it's but I fun. verified my email years ago. Justin, you were the fucking best. I love it. I love it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like mildly joking around Justin, and Justin's like, no, and fuck them because of that shit. And I was like, oh, wow. I was not expecting that. Although, to be fair, if I was a Destiny fan, I would also try to get a Nerf Gallarhorn. As you can see behind me, Did you see the size I, of it? I, I don't like video game collectibles at all. So, <laughs> did you see that? I wasn't going to get it. And then I saw it's like actual size. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, it's well, huge. I need to just like a fucking it. shoulder mounted cannon. Like, it's fucking enormous. Yeah, no, I. I'm trying to get it, and given that they responded with, we've had an unprecedented number of customer service requests when I tried to contact them about it, and the fact that it was still in stock, I have a feeling not many people have been actually able to order it. So, but I I do want to try to get it, uh, because it's awesome. (laughs) And, uh, Stephanie, can you talk about anything you've been playing this week? I can. Um, so, and it's, this is going to suck, but like, I don't play a lot of video games for fun anymore, and I haven't in a long time. It, um, it feels like work oftentimes, which sucks. I understand that. Say, I understand but, that. But, 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 I will say, um, there, when I do play video games, um, it's usually like unannounced games or like broken shitty alpha builds or like you know like a bit like i'll, I'll do like very quick demos um but i don't like I, I just can't keep up with the amount of releases and things that i want to play and game for fun um it's just not like i run a small business in games in vr right we work on a ton of games i will watch a lot of videos of games um and i'll go oh i really like to play that like you said monster hunter earlier and i was like because i would i think i'd really enjoy that um but i i just i just can't like i can't i just not get dedicated to it there are franchises that i will drop everything for like which just sucks but like the like Fallout is like my favorite franchise, but I don't like like on my multiplayer games. So I personally, um, so I have never played seventy six. Um, so I've just been kind of like holding out for a single player Fallout. And that news a couple weeks ago, where Todd Howard was like, and then in twenty thirty one, Fallout is gonna come out, and I was like, I was like, okay, we'll all be I, dead by then. Know, yes, yes, we will. So. so but I, so I have a, a five-year-old and, and, a, and an almost three-year-old, and the five-year-old is, um, she's super interested in video games, but I've kind of tried to, like, the screen time, right, because I don't play a lot of them. It's, you know, it's, she's not really, like, she, she doesn't, she's like, what, she doesn't even know what I do for a living, right? Like, it's like, I, I think I mentioned once that I, I was like, do you even know what I do for work when I've been going to work? And she, no, and she doesn't know what that means, but. 
And I, I told her, I was like, I work in video games. And she just started giggling. She was like, oh, you're so funny. <laughs> um, I, it's all fun and games. Um, <laughs> um, but she, so we have, you know, so so I've gotten her some, some like, kid Switch games. And we play, so honestly, like, the, the things I've been playing the most recently are, like, Fall Guys. And Fall like guys? Harry, Great. I love Fall Guys. Lego Harry Potter. And, like, um, you know, like, just, I'd love to just go to the eShop and buy, like, like, you know, whatever rated for five-year-olds. Like, there's shit out there. But um, she really likes Lego Harry Potter because she's seen the first two Harry Potters. Um, and she thinks Fall Guys is, like, the greatest game ever made. And it very well might be. And, you know, shame with the plug. I helped launch that game, so... They're kind of kind of cute when they're, they're and I'm just sad at it. They're like you know so uh, so I I wish I could say like oh, I've been playing fucking whatever and I just. I think, I think part of no, the secret of lie. any creative industry that not a lot of people on the outside will ever know is there is a certain amount of it's not even that like the magic is gone when you work with it because there's everybody always has that passion but. Like, you don't want to keep... Like, people who write books do not sit around reading all day, right? People who work on games do not sit around playing games all day when they're not at work, right? I work in it's, television and local and news, and I do not watch a lot of yeah. news or read a lot of news because it's my job. And, like, yeah, I'm passionate about it, though. but, you know, I make There's, I make multiple yeah. podcasts. I don't listen to other people's podcasts, I right? Don't really like, podcasts. <laughs> I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> right. So, I mean, but that's just I, yeah. the, the secret of it. Like, you can be passionate about it, but it's like, I do not have the bandwidth to experience the thing that I work on. Oh, God, it's, me neither. But it's, it's tough in my position, though, because you kind of have to be able to know yeah. what, you're, what you're working with. So I do play, like, I'll play a few minutes of everything. And about a few minutes, I mean, like, I'll spend like half an hour to an hour with it. Yeah. So that I understand the controls, I understand what, but I can look, like, I can talk to the developers and, like, look at a video and, and there's, you know, there's games I love. There are games that like have absolutely wrapped themselves around my soul, but it's so few and far between. And you know, when I'm not at work, like on the weekends, or if I take a long lunch or something, I'm like, I'm going hiking, like I'm going biking, I'm going fishing. I've got two dogs that are more like drunk small forces that live in my house that want my attention. I have children. Like I just, there's just so many other You're things busy. that I do now and i and there's nothing wrong with like with like you know not gaming as a hobby anymore but like i feel there's sometimes i just sometimes it feels like i'm just like the the industry's biggest poser because i just it's probably you know, a lot like, of people who feel that way if it makes you feel yeah, better maybe, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah i mean i understand what makes a great game and i can play them i'm just not good at them right like i and it you know it's like the the dean takahashi cuphead thing is like burned into my memory because one time i had to Poor demo guy. I had to demo Hotline Miami at a PlayStation event in Malibu because Devolver, this was like forever ago, right? But Devolver was like, you live in Los Angeles, they're going to set up the kiosk for you. Just go down and talk to whatever presser at this event. And I was like, okay. Like, I knew everything about Hotline Miami, but like, I'm fucking shit at that game. It's a hard game. No, but that's (laughs) a hard game in general. Throw you the sharks right there. But like, at the same time, like, I I was like, yeah, I can, I'm fucking, okay. And it's in like then of course like 
game trailers comes by and they're like, so tell us about, you know, do you mind if we shoot some footage of you playing? And I was, so it was like, this is before the cuphead moment, but like, it was like my cuphead moment where I was like, yeah. Nah. Thank goodness that fine. Twitter mob didn't exist at the time. Uh, I, oh God, I know. So the weird part is, is that as a PR person, the Twitter mob literally never comes after the PR people. I don't know why that is. I think it's because we're so we're so specialized in what we do that like people think this of this PR thing is like this nebulous machine where we're all fucking corporate monsters and and like we're all just like a bunch of nerds that got into this industry because it's cool and we like video games and we're you know literally we're just like everybody else. It's just like we just have a different set of priorities that we need. To, accomplish for our job right but yeah. the, the mob the twitter mob they've i've never really seen them like come after a, a pr person um because i just don't think that they understand what we do and i don't think they understand who they don't know who we are yeah like i have like a lot right. a lot of followers like on twitter that are in the industry and journalists and stuff but like the fans that follow the journalists to harass them are not the people that either know or care who i am so I get it. Like, like honestly, like I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. My, my feed, my Twitter handle hasn't been burned down more times than it has, and that my career hasn't burned down already on social media. Because, like, it's coming. I know it's coming. I just, and I'll accept it when it happens. It comes but. for all of us eventually. It, it comes, it, it, I have, I have Sauron. Comes for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, once I've I've written a few articles for uh, numerous gaming outlets across the years, and every time somebody's, you know, people tell me, John, either don't read the comments or don't search your name on Reddit, and I never follow their advice, and I'm always oh, yeah. surprised by what I find. Um, oh. Did I ever did I ever tell you guys about the, the that one comment that got that wasn't approved on my Call of Duty review? No. Ever, oh no. my god. Was so this for I, Black Ops Cold War? When I, when I yeah, Ops your Cold review War, of that was uh I'm not necessarily afraid of any the only thing I'm afraid of is when I mention a game's hard. Um because I fucking like you were talking about I fucking suck at most games. Um especially yeah, I'm not good. Which, are, which are my all-time favorite genre, but platformers yeah. for some reason they're, they're like the worst genre in the world when it comes to difficulty. Yeah, um, Crash yeah. 4, no, very good. Cry. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I reviewed Black Ops Cold War. I talked a lot how you know I overall it's it's fun, but it's incredibly racist and like demoralizing, and I and I couldn't support this. I can't. I don't think I could support this studio anymore or this, this series anymore. And then in October, we'll, that will change. But. I, I can see who comments on things before they get approved. I used to be able to over at Game Critics, and then someone got, went on this whole tangent about me being what is it like, like a fat beaner Mexican whatever whose only good thing is like mowing lawns and like and cooking food. Dude got Jesus. nothing right. Dude got nothing right. First of all, the only thing I got right in that was that I was fat, but I had my profile picture in the uh, review, so that's just cheating. I'm not Mexican. <laughs> I, I I can't cook for shit. Um, wow. I don't know how to cut grass. It was the absolute funniest thing I've ever read. And it didn't get posted. I just saw it before it was like deleted or before it was like denied. Uh, the only time I've ever gotten any hate on any review and the absolute funniest thing ever. I, th I, I think I've told you guys. I think I told you guys about it. I don't remember it. You might yeah, have, I mean, but I don't you, remember I think you told me. I think you told me about it one time. Maybe, yeah, I, yeah, where I'm like, like, again, I, the only thing that I stood feel out like was, I'd remember that one, but like, like, like the only thing that stood out was, yeah, of course, I'm, of course, you guys know I'm fat. You saw the fucking picture. Didn't he also have like a thing like, at the end that was just like, it was like hedging, like, he's like, 
something about being illegal or not like just oh, yes, so he because yes, he didn't want yes. to assume you know uh, so he, he <laughs> but so he not only assumed that i was mexican Yes, but he didn't want to assume that I was like whether or not I was an illegal immigrant. Incredible, just some incredible. That is some good fence sitting right there. <laughs> uh, a, a few a, a few years ago, I wrote an article about um, wrote an article for Polygon about uh, how um, video games uh, or like talent in in first person shooters will not translate to real world. Uh, to be able to, to to being able to fire a weapon in, in in the real world, right? And I happen to be something of an expert on the uh, on the subject, <laughs> having done both. And um, and the best comment I saw on that article was because um, you know I talked about my credentials as a, you know as a veteran, as a combat veteran, blah 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 blah. And I went all the way down talking about you know the specs, you know of an M, or, you know uh, of an M sixteen A two, blah 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 blah. And at the very end, I made an argument for gun control, right? Uh, and the you know i said yeah, the real problem is the fact that anybody can get a fucking gun like that's the real problem we have and some guy said some guy in the comments i shit you not said for 95 percent of the article i thought you were based but it turns out you're just a cuck and i'm like I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you, man. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Why did you based until that last part? They fucking argue. Yeah, I, I'm like, I'm just literally talking about how to fire a gun. And he's like, I thought you were based. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I, I so I can never hear the word based again in my life. It will still be too goddamn soon. <laughs> fucking weirdos. So CJ, that fucking CJ, I was laughing about that shit for a whole week. <laughs> Just like I thought you were based, but it turns out you're a cop. But it's like, how did you get through the entirety of that except for the last sentence? And that commenter, Jordan Peterson, weirdly. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was absolutely. I think I no. just broke CJ. <laughs> I no, thought I'm you were based, <laughs> but no, no, I'm sorry. It's just that that's on the on the same level of like every single again, like where it's like, oh yeah, I like this thing until it became woke, and I'm like, how did you like this thing in the middle of reading? Yeah, and like, like you transitioned, I, your, you 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 flipped the you flipped your side immediately, like within the span. You didn't have to comment the first half. How dare the that, boys like, become political guy, in season three? This right? guy like, was defending video games, but then he made it woke. Like, okay. <laughs> sorry bro like uh, i don't know what else to tell you man all right fucking uh e3 guys we gotta so so e3's coming back thank goodness uh, for an actual news topic dropping today too because it had been a quiet week i was gonna have to bullshit on some news topics for the show but oh we could uh oh, derek it's sdgc we can bullshit about it fucking literally anything but so uh e3's back and uh this time it's being run in part i think by read pop i i think the esa is still involved uh in some capacity but read pop is the one actually organizing the event and for anybody who doesn't know read pop is uh that's the organization that does like you know packs and and all that stuff so at least i'm not worried about people's personal information getting doxxed so that's good uh um but so after so how long has e3 been gone now what has it been like uh, it was just was it was um, it the, was, three years right three years now something like that 2019 was the last one okay so so it's been so yeah after three years e3 is returning um for the past three years we've had um jeff Keeley's summer game fest um 
There's been ups and downs to that. There right? has. Like, um, I am really interested. No, no, Derek, please go ahead. I was going to say some of the, the presentations and shows have been good. I think it's hard because very little replaces the, the in-person experience, um, both as the opportunity for a lot more people to get their hands on, you know, actually get their hands on and, and get in for interviews and the networking, right? Like it's, it's the same reason PAX is such right. a big deal is yeah. because networking is huge. And that's just, you can network online and it's not the same as meeting people in the Western lobby after hours. Right. Um, yeah. But like at the same time, you know, and this is something that, that previous guests have, have pointed out, but this shift to everything being digital has also been very good for like disabled journalists who would not be able to make right. it out to these in-person events and who are now yep. getting to like remote tryout games. We've normalized the like zoom and discord interviews and things like that. And it's been really good for disabled journalists. Um, I'm very yeah. excited to see E3 come back. I I'm very excited. I think what I hope is a, it maybe puts a bigger focus on media than the public, which is unlikely to happen. I know, uh, but you know, doubt it, 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 it yeah, seems like it, cats yeah. out of the bed. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to put that back up. Yeah. You, you can't go back on it becoming but, a public event. But, and that it, it doesn't come as with an excuse to then, um, you know, go entirely back to the old way and that, you know, more folks are still willing to do E3 interviews digitally you know, instead of, cause, cause again, there's just, there's too many, too much great talent out there. Too many great reporters who are, you know, not going to be able to attend, you know, for, especially during COVID. I mean, for their own safety, things may be getting quote unquote better, but like, there's still a lot of people who are highly at risk and who are not going to be safe attending something like that. So. I want to know. So uh, I want to know what Stephanie thinks about all this because yeah. like, Stephanie, you actually work in the industry. This is, Something that I mean, and of course, like a, a huge venue like E3 coming back is something that affects your job uh, to a great degree, I imagine, uh, given the nature of your work, um, you know, marketing and PR. Uh, is this is this something you were expecting? And is this the, is this something that you are you are glad to see as opposed to something that's a lot more virtual like Summer Games Fest? That's such a complicated question for someone in my position, because I'm exhausted at the idea that E3 in person is returning to the LACC, but I just have so many questions, right? So first of all, Jeff Healy has done an, a Herculean job of producing um, three events throughout the year that have become by and large the de facto events for people yep. like me and teams I work with to be involved in in some way for earned beauty opportunities. The man reaches literal millions of people whenever he does an event. And E3 uh, press conferences back when big publishers were still going to E3 at the LACC never managed to do that. They, um, they were always much smaller, right? Uh, on Twitch, on YouTube, the metrics never hit what Jeff Keeley has been able to do. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out. I'm personally tired of 
Um, I have digital event fatigue. The media has digital event fatigue. It's it's a lot of work, um, but the past three years have presented a lot of opportunity for smaller games and more journalists to be involved. You know, like we're saying. Um, so I mean, when 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 I start to unwrap all of the various elements of sort of how I feel about it, how I think about it, there's me personally, there's my business, there's my clients, there's the industry, right? And then there's just sort of like how I see things, and then how how the media is going to cover it. And I think so to your to to the point it was just raised. E3 was a show that was designed and produced by the ESA as a retail show for the industry. We were in the industry in some capacities, some um, shows. That's how you got to the show. Um, the public couldn't just decide that they wanted to come in and try a bunch of games, and then you know it was like, yeah, you work at GameStop, you're a Walmart, you know, channel buyer. Yet, you know, and that's the 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 business of the industry in terms of publishers showcasing their wares for these Walmarts and Best Buys and Kmarts and Target and getting deals signed, distribution deals signed, um, partnership deals signed, and it was the business of, you know, the industry. You have um, two things that happened over the, the past 10 years that have both happened in significant quantities. Number one, digital sales are the dominant um, form of sales for games. Yeah, and, and it's not close either, right, Stephanie? Like, it's, even, it's no, pretty no, lopsided, no. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like, it went like this, like it, yeah. right? Um, there's still a place in for retail. Um, you have some companies doing some really interesting things, like Serenity Forge right now is... Um, they're carving out their their space in retail for small indie games and putting together packages of physical goods to, to go to your Walmarts and your Best Buys. And that's really cool because these are games that, you know, someone browsing the you know, game section of Walmart would maybe never otherwise hear about, right? And and, and they've been doing very, very a very good job at that. So there is a really interesting sort of entry point right now happening in the retail space and you started to get like two shits along with buying a game right and there's a market for i mean it's a tiny market but there's a market you know tiny comparatively market for um physical games and collectors of physical media and that's and that's cool but if you don't need to have a show for retailing because all of these retailers they all have their own show they all have their own shows and you as the company, you go to their show and you pitch them, and that's what you do. GameStop has like a whole week out in like Scottsdale, Arizona or something. Um, uh, Walmart has their own show. And then you have uh, another thing that started to happen around 2015, 16, and that that's the huge AAA studios decided that they weren't going to go to E3 because they weren't seeing the ROI of spending a million something dollars out of their budget to go have a booth on the show floor when they could just yep. throw their own event. I so remember when Sony pulled out of E3 and and that was totally. like a huge fucking sea change for the industry. Yeah. Like that, that was yeah. massive. But EA does its own thing. 
a, a few days before E3. And then you have, you know, a, bun, a handful, more than a handful of other companies that were like, yeah, we're not going to go either. And the last E3 I went to in 2019, you could bowl down a, a corridor in West Hall and not fit in anything. There were just wow. wide open spaces with like a few chairs. And that's not an exaggeration. Like, I think I, if you go back in my Twitter archives, like, you'll see, like, the photos from 2019 where I was, like, West, like, Hensha Hall was closed. The concourse was, like, half full. South Hall was, like, okay. But West Hall was, like, maybe half, maybe half full. Do so you've think... had this convergence of, like, like, and then E3 is trying to make it, like, a fan show, but they, they're not, they're not a production company, right? The ESA is not a production company, right? So, there was they brought in some sort of outside um, companies that they, you know that tried right. I'm sure they tried their hardest, but I don't know. I've never been in those um, in those organizations, and I don't know how they sort of operate or what sort of um, barriers does that company or those companies came up against. But it just sort of you know they really fumbled the um, the fan entrances and the long lines. And the first year that they invited fans, they didn't have security. I, and I and, and as an attendee, yeah. I was like, I don't feel safe here. I remember. So we've, we've got a, we've, we've got a lot of friends who are journalists. Uh, and I remember yeah. when they opened it up to the public and not a one of them. Uh, you, you guys remember this? Uh, like Sam Tolbert was like, I don't fucking believe it. Yeah. Like this, this, and, and he was sending us messages at E3 or, or while he was at E3 trying to cover shit. And he was just telling us, man, I can, there's no, I can barely move. Like, like it's shoulder to shoulder. I can't fuck, I can't do anything. I can't get to my appointments on time. Um, And and, and here's, here's my question. And this is for everybody here. It's been three years, right? And Jeff Keighley, as, as Stephanie has said, has done a, a, you know, has, has worked as hard as he could, as hard as he can to, to kind of fill that void. And he's done an admirable job. Is, th- is there a space for E3 anymore? Like, like I mean, we know Sony's not going to go back. We know Microsoft's Maybe. not going to go back. Like, Maybe. Maybe they yeah. will. I mean, yeah. Do they roll Jeff in? Like, do they kind of, like, combine what Jeff Keighley's been doing? I mean, with- a lot of Summer Games Fest well, stuff was just yeah. him retweeting something from the Summer Games Fest account. Like, there was really only the one actual show. It's, but also, like, to, to that show, point, That show has millions of people concurrently yeah. watching it, though. To, to yeah. Stephanie's point like, earlier, like, the, the, the trajectory of E3 before it stopped was already a lot of the stuff that the gaming audience, your enthusiasts, think about when it comes to E3 was already actually separating from E3, right? A lot of these mm-hmm. presentations were not at E3. They were digital broadcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, Nintendo for a long time had not actually done a show, you know, in the right. Nokia theater or whatever, right? They they'd been doing the Nintendo yeah. Direct and more and more country or countries companies were yeah. bad slip up there. Were taking that <laughs> same um approach and I don't think there's a world where E3 gets back big in-person press conference. That's not happening anymore. It's done, I think. I Maybe. mean, I don't on the press on the press conference side. You you you're probably correct. I yeah. think that that's that's an unnecessary expense that companies have. They've already Sony has found success with State of Play. Nintendo has found yeah. right. Nintendo Direct. 
Devolver has found success making fun of those. Yes. And then you have, um, and then he's up, you know, he's up stumbling a bit. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. That's, I didn't. Yeah, you'd be the air. <laughs> but what Readpop has done and the success that Readpop has had with packs can be replicated in Los Angeles. And that's what I agree. I think as a, as a trade show. You're dropping in packs. As an industry show, absolutely not. But you're dropping in packs. Now, what I hope they do is something like Gamecom, where it's two days of business and then the rest of the days are consumer. Yeah, I, good I really hope Gamecom. that would be a But you're really dropping it into... Uh, yeah. a, a, a busy metropolitan area. So, you know, you have, I think, a, a, a population of something like 25 million in a in a 100-mile radius, maybe more than that. Um, and will they sell fan tickets? Yeah, probably. Um, will vendors see a value in that, or if they see a value in that, over PAX West or PAX East? Like, are they cannibalizing one of their other shows? Because you remember, PAX used to have PAX San Antonio. Yeah, and that never took off, even in the the populated area that it was in. It never took off. It was a really small show, and if you went there as an indie, you were a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Whereas at E three, you would probably never be able to afford to go, right? Um, yeah. And then that's the other thing: are given that this is an uh, basically a you know an ESA fundraiser event, um, does d- does it become cost prohibitive? to the same publishers and developments in the development studios that are buying booths at East and West. Because if you look at East and West, and we just did an analysis of this in my, in, in, in my agency, if you look at East and West, the number of media that's top tier, what we consider top tier media, your IGNs, your Entertainment Weeklies, your uh, game spots, your game informers, these are your big marquee mainstream websites. For, for games, right? Yeah. The amount of people, the amount of top tier, what we consider top tier um, uh, media has decreased in the last five to six years going to PAX East and West. And the amount of people those websites send, if they send, if they go at all, like IGN used to roll 10, 12, 15 deep at PAX East 10 years ago, or, you know, what in the, or in the first few years of PAX East, and they used to have a stage, and they used to have a camera crew, and they used to do a big production, and there's content this whole weekend. This year, they sent two people to the show because they were on panels, and those people did not make appointments with PR to see game. Now, if you're a publisher, and you're using these shows as a as a media vehicle to drive not just fan engagement because you have you know the fans of the show, but like really boost your message out there because you know a bunch of press you hire me, and then I get a bunch of your game and then they write about your game that's not happening at the same level that it was five years ago and so from a pure earned media roi perspective the the value has has dropped significantly and we've done data analysis of our schedules and the coverage we got in 2016 all you know 17 18 19 you skipped you know 2021 and then this last tax week that we all just went to um and it was i mean it's it's so we're, we're we're advising our clients to come up with different ways to engage the audience in different ways to get their sort of brand awareness to have a a, a further echo effect a, a louder uh echo effect um because it's just not there so if 
you're in it. And part of that is because like no first parties or super major publishers are going to the pack anymore. You don't have Microsoft. Sony pulled out in, in 2020. Um, I don't know that Sony had even been there before that maybe, but you have the bigger publishers pulling out of a show like that. So then the media then follows and it's less of the media that are going to get big stories. The content that the media that does go uh, the, the amount, the quantity of con content that is produced from one editorial team of the show has dropped. Whereas, like before on GameSpot, for example, we have like a weekend full of fucking everything that their team of five to seven, eight, nine, ten people saw. And you just have this huge blitz of video game content. And now you're lucky if you get like the top five things you saw at Pax while I was there for a couple of days. And yeah. like, God forbid that my clients are not on that list because then it's like, oh, fuck. Because that's like probably the only chance we're going to get to, you know, and, and I'm using GameSpot like interchangeably. Like it's just not actually GameSpot. But like this is just sort of the trend we've been seeing. So if you drop packs into the E3, you know, shadow, the E3 footprint, and it's a fan show, what does that look like if your vendors aren't showing up? What does it look like if it's cost prohibitive? There's a lot. Of, so I have a lot of questions. I'm optimistic. I hope that it works. Um, as to John, you said, do they roll Keeley in? I mean, I don't know that Keeley can be rolled in. He's a force of nature at this point as far as the audience that he can command. So I have a lot of questions, and I'm really interested to see how it turns out. And I hope it, it turns into an opportunity where I can do great work for my clients. That's kind of where professionally it starts and stops for me. But like, just as like an industry observer over the years, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm also sort of too wary at this point. Yeah, I honestly thought it was dead and not coming back. Like I, I, this this announcement really kind of threw me for a loop. Um, especially I had heard since, about this as, a couple months ago. I knew well, this. Like, I knew this was coming. Yeah. I, as, as as Derek said, like, you know, we were like, man, it's been kind of a slow news week. And then I was like, never mind, E3's coming back. And Derek's <laughs> like, well, shit. Like, there we go. Um, you know, it's I I I'm glad it's coming back. Um, because I, you know, I've been to multiple PAXs. We all have. Um, but mm -hmm. I never got the chance to go to E3. Uh and I would like to try to go to E3 as a as a content creator, as a member of the press, not just not somebody who's just going there to to, to kind of go. Um, right? Yeah, that's a much, yeah. Thank you, CJ. It's a much better word. Um, but you know, it's it's interesting, Stephanie. The point you made about like uh, you know trying to get you know, for example, like you know, out of the big outlets, you know, like you know, here's the top five things we saw. You know, um, it, it's interesting looking at that from the from the small content creator side. Of the fence like we would go to PAX and Derek what do like we'd put up like 20 interview videos on well, YouTube we're talking 2018 like, 2019 pre-COVID yeah, too right before right. everybody had pulled out and admittedly a, a lot of what we focused on was you know indie devs indie, indie, right indie, like indie smaller titles, yeah. folks to like to well, like I mean, double a, a kind of publishers but a lot of the shows we went to didn't have a huge triple a presence either yeah but right. like I mean that was part of the fun for us was I really liked because I was going to hear one way or another about everything that came out of Sony, everything that came out of Bandai Namco, everything that came out of, you know, Square Enix, whatever. But going through like that indie mega booth is, is always a big deal for me because 
you get exposed to so much there. Love, I know. I loved the Rest indie in mega booth. The indie Man. mega booth, and then again the the industry networking outside and around these events is really the reason folks like us go. Yeah. Um, and yep. you know, again, like to me, I see something like E three, and my concern from from our perspective is small hobbyist content creators who who do this show out of you know passion and, and not out of yeah. money we're, yeah um, yeah we're not making any money off of this like shit. <laughs> a are, are we would we see enough of in indie presence there with any sort of attention to make it yeah. worth our time uh because yeah. nobody cares what we have to say about you know whatever out of war or whatever right yeah. exactly but if we can highlight some of these interesting indie titles that's a yeah. whole different story but also like i've just seen so many media media folks more than content creators uh journalists reacting to all of their information getting leaked and there's a certain distrust yeah. i don't know that they'll yeah. ever get back so it's like i might go and meet some other like streamers and podcaster folks but if i'm not also meeting like serious journalists that's a lot of a lot of the fun is lost to me yeah. so i know for me, I think the biggest question is going to be just how fractured things are going to get. Yeah. Um, an, is yeah. it still just going to be like, because especially because Keeley has said Summer Games Fest is going to be uh, an in-person event next year. Yeah. So yeah. I missed like, that. What the fuck? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I yeah. That yeah. Holy shit. No, no. He confirmed that uh, yeah. like right after the stream this year. So it's we like did sort of a trial run this year. Yeah, we're basically going to have like dueling conferences that are in-person events mm -hmm. between what Keeley wants to do for Summer Games Fest and E3. There's a huge question mark of who's going to actually show up, who's going to show up to what, um, because like a lot of these companies seem like they're pretty content to just do their own streams whenever. And, you know. I remember this year, like there was stuff that was just getting added, <laughs> like a lot of stuff was presented, you know, announced ahead of time. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, Square Enix is doing a Final Fantasy 25th anniversary stream or hey, Capcom's doing a 10th anniversary Dragon's mm -hmm. Dogma stream. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and those things just popped up and like. I don't know that that's a huge logistical que question, and it's like. It's expensive and you're going to be pushing, putting pushing you know groups really thin trying to cover more than one um if there's stuff that needs to be covered at both and you know trying to get times to get interviews in and then also potentially both being open to the public and stuff yeah. too further complicates that and it's like it seems like there could it could be a huge huge mess i'd love for it i'd love for it to go well and you know for it to work out for everybody but i i really think it's going to be really difficult for both of them to coexist um especially if they can't get some of the big like platform holders back at them yeah well the, the and, and i'm and I'm, from you know i'm super speculating here because although i do work with with a lot of the folks behind the scenes to you know help them decide if they're going um i think from just a business standpoint you have two parties that want to um, make it work and and you have two groups whether it's summer games fest and what he's doing and repop repopper experience very talented event producers that have done very well 
um, with with PACs, right? So I think you're going to have two groups of people that know how it works that want to ultimately come, you know, figure out a way to hopefully work together and and make it work whether or not. So like Jeff does opening night live for Gamescom, right? To kick off the Gamescom show. Potentially you have a situation where Summer Games Fest could kick off E3, but if he has an in-person component, I don't know how, what that looks like or how that works. And, and maybe that could change. Maybe the plans change. I don't know. But you do have well-intentioned people and you have ta- proven success and talented teams working for the sole purpose of you know, producing a great event for people who are fans. And I, I know that there's a lot of very cynical people on the internet who think that, oh, they're in this business and blah, blah, blah. Look, there's a lot of different jobs out there. And I got to tell you, between this and doing PR for healthcare, gasoline, weapons, and tires, I'd very much rather work in video games. And, I'm, you know, I've always done my best to, um, to make the best thing happen for the audience, for the client, for, you know, teammates, for partners. So I think it, it may sound like blind optimism, but I, I think you're going to see these people come together and see something, hopefully, that's pretty spectacular next year. And I'm, you know, fingers crossed that, that egos and, um, and money doesn't get in the way of, of creating something that could be ultimately successful for everybody. That's the I, I, I just, I, I just, I... I want to thank, like, no matter what happens with Summer Games Fest going forward, I want to thank Jeff Keeley for giving me the, in my opinion, the most entertaining, finest moment in games over the past several years uh, in the form of the ARC 2 trailer. Um, because that was awesome. That that was <laughs> great, with, starring Vin Diesel. And, yeah. and that, Surprise that Vin watching, Diesel was a lot. Seeing Vin Diesel in a video game riding a dinosaur is the best oh, yeah. thing I've ever seen okay. in my life. Right. Um, I can just pull it up. That was fantastic. Justin's reaction to that, I will never forget. We were streaming it, and I think Justin almost died. Like well, the first Justin- time. The fir- so the first one was the 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 reveal during the Game Awards. Yeah, and that that one I straight up lost I, my mind. I thought Justin was choking on something. Like that was. That was that was fucking fantastic, uh, and then all of the uh, all of the, yeah, what what a but in all seriousness, like like Jeff deserves a lot of praise for what he's done. That that kind of gap he's filled for the industry uh, over the yeah. summer for the past three years, and whatever E three does moving forward, like I hope we don't see some kind of like competition between Summer's Games Fest and E three. I would love to see something like. Uh, is like presented but like 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 kind of like a unified front right like i don't know keely seems pretty intent on taking on e3 like he has had a lot of really snarky keely's tasted blood yeah he's had a lot of really snarky comments the second any of this comes up and is real quick to remind i'm not even blaming him i'm just saying the man i'm just saying i'm just saying i think the odds of it being a unified front are low at the i don't know i don't know here's what's good Here's what's going to happen at, at the Game Awards this year. He's going to have Joseph Ferris come out and say, can I just say, fuck E3. Fuck yes. E3. He's going to flick <laughs> off the camera. Like, that's that's what that's what Joseph Ferris is going to do. Um, we are getting close to our sign-off time here. We didn't even get to uh, 
games uh, that can, are being we delayed. Can, we can be hit there that for next another week. one. Yeah, we we can we can we can hit that next week. Um, yeah. Uh, so we've got some, uh, so a few uh, housekeeping items here. We have some big guests coming up in June, one of which I can't say yet. Uh, one of the biggest guests we've ever had. Um, very excited about that. I can't say who it is coming yet. Up when? Uh, either next week or the week after. Okay. Um, I'll have that. Conf- I'll have that nailed down by this weekend. But it's going to be. It's going to be legitimately one of the biggest guests we've ever had. So I'm very excited about that. Also. On the twenty first, uh, Rebecca Valentine, former uh, member, was former Reb member coming back on? Yeah, Reb good. On. No, I no. Stephanie Reb used to be a permanent cast member of SDGC before uh, before she blew up, really. But yeah, before she blew up, and uh, and um, but Reb is going to be back on to talk about Live Alive. Uh, amazing. And uh, Reb Reb has a special place in our hearts on this podcast, and always yeah. will. Um, one, there was one time, Stephanie, where she said, I have a surprise for everyone on the podcast tonight. And, uh, she wouldn't tell me what it was. And before the show started, she had her camera off and I was like, why is her camera off? I'm going to find this clip. And then she, she turned her camera on and she had a Gungeon beanie and she had drawn stubble, a stubbly beard (laughs) over her face in a marker and she was like oh i'm john she was like i'm a final fantasy guy. sex big... is the best video game ever yeah and anyone who like, disagrees with me i'm gonna hit them with my weed whacker like yeah like it's it, it was it was really fucking great reb reb is, oh. reb is just a wonderful person uh and awesome. also um so i it's a f- still a few months off but for extra life this year we're going to be doing it a little early and and check this out. I don't even know extra... if it's gonna be extra life. We're we're not sure if that's the specific charity we're gonna do this year. Right. So many people but, do extra but, life. It's a great cause, but like we might, you know. Well, whatever we'll it is, see. we're gonna do we're gonna do two consecutive days uh with a twelve hour stream each day, and this time in one physical location for the first time ever, we're going to have oh, the cool. entire podcast. We might present. we might have all seven of us. Um, we'll see. Oh, we're gonna we, we it's looking like we might have everyone it's like Smash Brothers, everyone is here um it's gonna be it's gonna be fucking fantastic uh i i absolutely am over the moon i can't fucking wait for that uh stephanie you have been such a wonderful engaging guest thank you so much for for joining us this has been an absolute treat thank you i'll come i'll come on your podcast and talk about porn anytime (laughs) oh absolutely please yeah we could always use more porn talk on this podcast um but uh and <laughs> Wait, oh Finn's in chat. Hey Finn, what's up, buddy? Um, yeah, Finn is very sorry he couldn't be here tonight. He's a big fan of yours, Stephanie. Um, John, but uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, what's up? No, no I just I lost you for a moment. Is all. Oh, okay, Derek, you'll never lose me, buddy. Oh, you're never gonna lose me. I'm always gonna be right here, right here. Uh, so. That's all the time we got. Don't forget this Sunday we have episode two of um, me and Finn uh, doing Dual Daddies live. Uh, we're doing it every Sunday now um, <clears throat> because Finn for the next few months won't be able to be on the podcast on Thursday nights, and also just because we love talking about video games and daddy shit. So we're going to be doing that every Sunday night at eight thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Episode two on Sunday. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week. We got a lot of rev- we got some reviews coming up as well. It's, of course, you know, as Square Enix influencers, we get a lot of Square that Enix codes. Mistake. And what's that? 
I said that was a mistake on their part, but yeah, sorry, sorry, Square Enix. I'm sorry for us in advance. Uh, but uh, we we generally get uh, all the Square Enix review codes, and as this is a big year for Square Enix, we have a lot of, re of reviews that you're going to be seeing uh, from us come up for throughout the year. I've had two old fashioned tonight. I can hardly talk anymore. Uh, so <laughs> we are going to go ahead and log off here. Thank you again to Stephanie Tinsley for being such a wonderful and engaging guest. Uh, and to everybody listening right now, remember, guys, kindness costs nothing. Be good to each other. We will see you next week.